Meet Harper, teammate at Truist. Hello. She was born to care and always had your back. Like the time her friend's bumper car took a gnarly hit. Oh, no. His retainer went flying, but Harper caught it before it got crushed. Today, Harper's a teammate at Truist, the bank with Truist One checking. With no overdraft fees, a $100 negative balance buffer, and automatic upgrades, Truist One Checking has your back too. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. $100 negative balance buffer. Eligibility requirements apply. Truist Bank member FDIC. Autumn is in the air. Time for back to school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy. You know, health is a funny thing. What is it? If I asked you right now, to tell me what is your definition of health or to be healthy, you would probably get a variety of answers or maybe what you think our pop culture tells us what health is nutritionally, physically, sleep-wise, whatever it may be. The truth is that there are a lot of components to it. Today I discuss a variety of those things with my guest, Amy Goober. Amy's just fun, and she had a great perspective on living. And at 60 years old, and when you see her picture when I post about this, she does not look 60. She looks considerably younger. It's just amazing what vitality and a youthful attitude and a good feeling and taking care of yourself in a variety of ways leads to. I'm happy for you guys to check out the conversation I had with Amy Goober. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. I always am uh, thankful for anybody to come on just to have a good conversation. Well, great. Thank you for having me. So when I came across your profile on one of the sites that I frequent, um, it just resonated with me. It sounded interesting about what you're up to and what you're doing. So I'd like to go backwards. I like to do that a lot with people and tell me where you started out. <laughs> Well, um, I'm 60 now, so it's been um, a long time. Of Are you serious? Life. You do not yeah. look 60 in that picture you sent me. <laughs> well, I'm 60, um, so it's we're going back a long way. But um, okay. if we're talking about kind of career and work and that kind of thing, um, I actually um, had moved to Boston after college and was trying to find a job and figure out what I wanted to do. And I worked in advertising for four years and kind of, as I like to say, clawed my way <laughs> up mm -hmm. to um, a level that I wanted to be at. Women in those days were secretaries when they started. And so that uh, didn't feel like a, a good matchup with, you know, <laughs> anything I had done so far, but yet to start when we started. So anyway, I got to a point that I wanted to be at, which was account executive. But in the meantime, I had um, a passion for cake decorating and taught some classes and took some classes and was told by different people, oh, you should open a bakery. So at 26 years old, I left my advertising career and I literally opened up a bakery in the Boston area. 
And I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, none had never worked in a bakery. <laughs> I knew nothing. And um, my poor mother was like, do you think you should work in a bakery first? And I said, oh, no, 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 I don't need that. I don't need that, no. <laughs> she said, do you think you should, you know, work with somebody on a business plan? Oh, no, 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 I don't <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, it's a long story, but to for the sake of um, summarization, um, so... I opened this cake bakery, just cakes, decorated cakes, big, huge event cakes, cakes for a thousand people. I mean, crazy stuff. And um, I had that for seven years and, you know, created like a pretty big business. And then in the midst of that, I had gotten married and I had had my first baby and I decided that I wanted to be a stay at home mom. <laughs> so yeah. why not work for seven years on something and then <laughs> go do something then else? Just do something else. Yeah. Right. But I was very fortunate because I just couldn't bear to like close the doors and I had employees and, you know, I had a good business going. So I sold my bakery to two of my employees at the time. And that was amazing. And that was the very beginning of 1993. So I had had the bakery for seven years and they are still there. So they have built it into a bigger business and, you know, same philosophy, but, um, so they've done a great job with it. So that was exciting. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. I have three children who are 27, 24, and now 18. So I was a stay-at-home mom, but I did a lot of entrepreneurial things as, volu- as a volunteer because <laughs> that's what right. you do when you're a stay-at-home mom. I did not work in that sense. Um, but uh, in 2013, so seven years ago, I stumbled on a weight loss program and if we go back again, um, I had been, um, overweight as a teenager and that was a terrible struggle. And like in my twenties kind of got it under control, but had always struggled with weight, you know, and exercise and all those things. Um, so anyway, in 2013, I found this weight loss program and I was very, 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 very skeptical, right. Cause I had tried everything, <laughs> but anyway, I did it. And even though I was 53 and in menopause and it was a struggle, I ended up losing, you know, 20 pounds on this program in a couple of months. And I really believed in the philosophy. I believed in the man that created it. I believed in the medical basis of it. And I became a coach for that program. So now I have been health coaching full time for about seven years. And that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. Awesome. What a different um, perspective from a bakery to being a health coach. You know, it's like what a strange dichotomy of things going on with that. But Mm -hmm. when you were, well, the bakery thing is, and both are interesting. We'll get to both of them. But what was like the best part of having the bakery? Like, I mean, I imagine the smells coming out of that thing on a regular (laughs) basis, you know? Yeah, I was just driven. I don't even, you know, when I look back on it, it was so long ago. I was just driven. I just was like, I am going to do this. And it was really, really, really hard because I, as I told you, I had no experience. I mean, I remember going into the um, place where you buy um, commercial baking equipment and like walking in and saying to them, okay, what do I need? (laughs) They're like, who is this lady? (laughs) No idea. So um, I just, I just battled, I battled my way through, honestly, through all of the ups and downs of building a business and creating a perishable product and, you know, trying to get a piece of the market in a, in a city and I, you know, 
all the other bakeries were family run bakeries. <laughs> they had like a whole bunch of support yeah. and I was by myself. Um, so the best part about it, I think was the accomplishment of it. And my nature is not to appreciate the accomplishment, but typically is more like, what else do I need to do? What didn't go well? What else can I do? You know, where do I want to be? So I think I appreciate it more actually now, you know, looking back on it. But at the time, it was just a huge amount of work and a lot of pressure and stress and not much free time. You know, I can't even believe I, you know, <laughs> like accomplished a relationship and got engaged and married. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how With I all the time, that. right? You were spending probably at the bakery, you know? Right, right. What would you what would you say is your advice for people who are getting into and in, in that business or any business where you're owning something like a brick and mortar thing mm-hmm. like what are kind of the pitfalls and that people should be aware of you know? Well, I mean you can either do it the way I did it which was totally by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I mean completely. You know, or you can <laughs> maybe better would be to do your research up front. But I often wonder when people do too much of that, sometimes they just don't move forward with their idea. Yeah. They're paralyzed by it. Yeah. They're either paralyzed or they see that they don't think it's going to work. You know, I knew it was going to work or I was going to work it till it worked. Um, So, you know, you could go either way. Um, Hey, I think knowledge of the field is a great idea. (laughs) I didn't do that, but sure. (laughs) um, I recommend that. Um, And I think, I think it's the drive, honestly, you know, if it's something, you know, you're kind of sort of thinking about, I don't know, but if I was driven, I, at one point remember saying, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster and I can't get off. You know, I just was riding the ride. Um, so you have to really want it and you have to be able to, um, to be devoted to it and give up some things because of it. What do you mean the giving up part? What was the, was it like family time, basically stuff like that? Yeah, socializing, family time, sleep. Um, Oh my goodness. um, You know, I was very stressed by it. Like my husband, he would crack up to hear this, but like one night um, I came home, you know, from some difficult day or week or whatever, (laughs) like lied on the floor, you know, of the kitchen, (laughs) just said, I can't do it. You know, it was really, really, really hard. It was hard. So you give up some of your own peace of mind and enjoyment of life, I guess. But, you know, I did it. Um, I'm proud of it. I made a lot of people happy. And even now, all these years later, and I live in a suburb of Boston, I don't live near the bakery. I'm probably half an hour away, 40 minutes away. Sometimes I will run into somebody and the conversation comes up to it. I don't know even know how. And like I did their wedding cake, you know, 30 years ago or something. Oh, nice. So. Um, you know, it was a big part of my identity. They all called me the cake lady. You know, it was a big part of my identity then, too. Wow. So what what was the um what was the thing that was your most favorite like that you made or that you really enjoyed making at the bakery? Yeah, I mean, we did all these decorated cakes that um were really works of art. In fact, one of the uh, cake decorators that I hired was a graduate of Mass Art, Mass School of Art. And she could paint people's faces and icing on the cakes. I mean, crazy things. But um, I think that uh, we did one gigantic project that we all, we all, we still talk about, my husband and I, where there was a bank opening and we needed to be at 
eight or 10 different bank branches with these cakes that simulated the logo, which was like an Indian head. It was called Shamit mm-hmm. Bank. And long story short, you know, when I went to the meeting with them, you know, I had my portfolio case. I was in their office. They didn't know what my bakery looked like. Right. We had to rent cars. We had to hire people to help us do the deliveries. Like we didn't have that kind of manpower, Um, but it all went off without a hitch. So, you know, I I think those were the most exciting moments, you know, to be able to really like pull something off like that, being a small bakery and matching up to the big bakeries. Oh, I see. Interesting. What a, what a different time in life. You know, it's, I was like when people, I've had a couple people on who like did one thing and now they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a funny situation how it turns out for them. But tell me about the transition to health coaching and what that was like when you were working with people and that element. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom in between for 16 or plus years. And so I didn't quite go from like bakery to health coach, but work-wise, yes, that's true. Um, I think that I guess this is sort of a message I would give to people because I know you like that, you know, how can we benefit the listeners, right? Sure. Um, I, I really do believe that opportunity is everywhere, really everywhere. And some people, many people, or most people, either they don't see it, you know, they don't view it as an opportunity, or they don't believe in themselves enough to take it, right? So the health coaching really kind of fell in my lap. You know, I was following a weight loss program. And I was like, this is really good. This is amazing. I can't believe I lost this weight, you know, in menopause. And I've tried everything. Like, I just can't believe it. So who could I help with this? You know, this is what was going through my mind. There was always the option to become a coach because I had a coach, right? So I knew this. And um, I called my coach (laughs) and said, you know, how do I become a coach for this program? Because I really think I can help people with this. So part of it is like believing in yourself enough or even if you don't believe in yourself, be willing to try it. You know, what's the worst thing that happens is you try this and it doesn't work out and you go do something else. Do you, you have know? any, do you have any like opinions about, cause you know, I hear the word health coach, uh, quite a bit these days <laughs> right. and I'm not sure what it means completely. I mean, I'm, I've been in, you could call it the health fitness wellness business you know, for 20 something years, but, and I hear health coaching and part of me is like, I don't know what that means completely. What is it meant in your hemisphere of what you're doing? Yeah. Well, that is a great question. And I honestly am not sure that I really knew what it was until I started doing it. And now I see all the different definitions of it, you know, actualizing in the real world. For me, I was following um, a set program that was created by a doctor, um, was used at Johns Hopkins Weight Management Program, um, had all of the medical science checked off. So that was very important to me. And then I learned how to guide or coach others on this program and use the resources at our fingertips and really connect with people and nurture them and guide them along. So in my world now, uh, being a health coach is supporting people on this particular incredible program. And also I have a team of other coaches that I mentor and try to 
help them do the same. So that's what it means and what I'm doing. Um, there are certainly health coaches, and I'm sure you know, being in the fitness um, business or industry, that there are people that are, you know, I don't know, trying to create create programs for their clients or improve certain specific, you know, issues. You know, for me, um, my really area of expertise is the support of this particular program and learning how to take people from where they are to where they want to be, you know, and supporting that um, transformation. And we see, um, as you probably see too, but we really see not just healthy body, but we see healthy mind. You know, we see people who have kind of given up on themselves, right? Um, and succumbed to what I call world of food, <laughs> which is the world, world of in. food. <laughs> world of food is what I call it. And so they feel un, uh, not powerful against all of the, you know, the food that's in front of us and around us and drive throughs and all of this, right? And, and they're very um, stressed in their lives and cut up in their world, et cetera. So um, I wonder sometimes uh, about those people. And so when I come across those people, I very much um, want to help them. And so there's always a way to improve. But what I see is that healthy mind really, really makes a big difference. You know, as people are losing weight, they start to believe in themselves more. Um, they feel empowered more, right? Their energy goes up, all these things. They're fitting back into clothes they used to fit into. And um, I see a big shift in, in um, their mindset and peace of mind. How would you define health when you were um, maybe like in your, your early 20s to what it is now? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, you know, and even times have changed, which I think is what you're getting at. But um, for yeah, me personally, yeah. when I was younger, health was all about weight because, you know, I had started out uh, my life as a teenager and early 20s being overweight. So I was never really thinking about health. I was always like, how much do I weigh and can I get back into my clothes and that kind of thing. Um, but even that era, you're right. You know what I mean? There wasn't the knowledge of health the way we're talking about it now. And now, you know, from this program and all that I've learned is that, um, you know, the body has, uh, there's so many um, issues that can, um, that, okay, so what I'm trying to say is that being overweight can cause a lot of negative effects in all the body systems. Of course. Right? Yeah. So I've learned this, you know, and now I know this from a medical standpoint. And so, that's one element of it. But even if you're at a healthy weight, what else are you doing to keep your organs healthy and your heart and all of that? So we, uh, on our program, we talk about optimization, which is a cool word, right? Because maintenance makes it seem very humdrum. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to get your oil change in your car. Um, but so then that once you are at a healthy weight or a good weight for you, there's so many other things you can do to improve your overall health. And the older we get, um, 60 being what it is for me, you know, <laughs> you start to think that, you know, you're aware of the fact that as you're aging, um, things don't improve with age, let's put it that way. And the body. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, how do you view yourself as a 60 year old? Like what's your, how do you feel? You know, as I feel like how people view themselves 
at as people get older may maybe is changing. I mean, I don't I mean, sometimes I think about 60 and I go, wow, that that could be older. Like, but then I think I see people who are 60 now and they don't look 60. And I don't I don't I get the sense that how we view these numbers or the age may be changing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question too. Um I I it's it's so interesting to me <laughs> because I've as I've grown up, I've always been big on my birthday, a big birthday person, lots of celebrations, like really focused on my own birthday, which sounds a little silly as I'm the same way though. I'm the right? same way. Love yeah. it, right? So I when I turned 40, I I actually like threw a party for myself and all my friends, you know. <laughs> Because I didn't want them to have to do it, so I did it. Um, and 50 came and went. I really didn't put much focus on 50, which is funny, right? Because you would think 50 would be whatever. Now, 60 was approaching, and I it really has been a very impactful age for me. I, I did set up a lot of celebrations, I'll, I'll say that. But um, I don't know. Like, I don't understand how I could possibly be 60. Right. <laughs> just, That's what I mean. Like. How do you like feel about that? I don't feel great about it from the standpoint. <laughs> no. I don't feel I great feel, about it. <laughs> no, I feel great about how I'm doing at 60. Like knock on wood, I'll knock on my table. You know what I mean? That I feel great about. Um, but, uh, you know, a friend said the other day, um, there's more time, you know, at the bottom of the um of the hourglass in the top. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, that really sort of uh, unsettled me. But You're like, so why are you saying that? <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like you really have to be a little more on purpose about what you want to do with your life and how you spend your time when you're 60 than mm. 40, right? So you say you've made, your it's influenced your decision-making and the things you do based off your age? Yeah, and I think it will, you know, continue to. And I think... Um, you know, even just how, you know, we want to spend our free time and how we want to um, spend our money and all of these things. It's like, we're 60, my husband, and I, we're 60. So we're not 40, we're not 30, we're 60. So we have to know that. <laughs> we have to yeah. own it. Um, so I don't feel 60. And I would say on the daily, if people know my age, they say, oh my God, you don't look 60. So I feel good about that you know, but it doesn't change the age of my body. <laughs> which right. is wow. That's incredible. I just, you know, I asked too, because I was thinking about this, I'm 41 and I, I was having like this big, like philosophical discussion with my wife about being this age and what that means. And I just wonder because you ever remember, ever see pictures of people from like way back in the day, like hundred years ago and stuff. And like, they're like, oh, this person's 32. You're like, in what world is that person 32? That looks like a 65, 70 year old right. person. Mm -hmm. I feel like people look differently old at this age or these ages at this time. You know, it's, I don't know if I'm crazy about this, but I feel like I've met so many 50 plus year olds that look nothing like a 50 year old when I was, a, when I was like 20, you know, what I perceived that to be. So I don't know if I'm off on that or if it's just, things are changing and the way people take care of themselves and stuff, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure, but I agree with you. And I always sort of had an image in my mind of what like a 60 year old woman would look like. And it was like a little old lady, you know, 
hair and spectacles and like a low bun and you know what I mean? And um, I, when I was turning 60, because this was, you know, becoming very real to me and I really was thinking about it. I Googled, um, you know, 60 year old woman images because <laughs> I just wanted to see like, what did everybody yeah. else think? And it's a much older looking person than you would think. So you're right. I think people are of an older age today look younger is what you're saying. I agree with you. But still, when you look at Google images, their image is like what I imagined. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, look, hopefully you and I are on the younger looking end of everything. Let's just hope, you know. Yeah, I saw your picture, honestly. I saw that picture and I was like, oh, you know, this is a youthful looking person. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you're like, oh, I'm 60. I'm like, come, come again? Like that. <laughs> No, that person does not look what my perception of a 60-year-old. And I think that's sometimes my problem is I think I'm still kind of back in the day picture of somebody that that's old that, at that age. But then I've had a lot of evidence of people who don't look really old when they are older. So I'm just curious about when you're that age, how do you see yourself? Like my parents are 66. I haven't asked them that question before. I wonder how they think about themselves and like, there's this, their re this reality of like, oh my gosh, I'm now 60 plus, you know? Right. And it's, yes. And what's even interesting also, and you may, you might see this or the listeners might see this. Like when I look around my friend group, let's say my like five to 10 women friends that are, I happen to be the oldest of all my friends, but within five years. Right. So I look around and we kind of all look similar. You know, but then I do a lot of like women's networking things and I do Zooms and connects and all these things and people are 60 and they look a lot older than I think we all, my friend group looks. So maybe it has to do with who you surround yourself with. You You're know what I mean? probably right about that. Yeah, because it's like I'm always around a lot of people who I think look fairly young for their age, but they also generally take care of themselves pretty well in a lot of areas of life. I just, I just think, uh, you know, people lived really difficult, very hard lives. You know, think about like pioneers and people traveling across the country to settle the United States and all that. That, that sounds like a really rough life to me. Yeah. And like right now, we have a lot of conveniences to us. And, um, and I mean, we do have the ability to have lower stress lives because of a variety of things. I'm not saying there isn't stress, there is, but it just feels like, we're searching for this vitality, this longevity of life. And a lot of times I feel like we already have it. It's just we need to maximize it and taking care of ourselves because you see people. I mean, I, I've seen like 70, 75-year-olds who look so young. And I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> you know, and over time you start seeing it's like, well, is it that hard to do, really? Or is it it's 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 actually a realistic thing to age well. You know, people say, well, he's aging well, you know, type of thing. So it just fascinates me that we're on a we're on an arc where people are looking very different than they used to look. Right. Right. And we have a lot at our fingertips too. You know, like when I grew up, there was Jack LaLanne and you were watching it on the yes. television, you know, and that was it, you know, so we have access to so much more, you know, this in your field mm -hmm. in terms of exercise and fitness, right. And, uh, people are tracking their steps. I mean, you know, things that just were not even imagined. Um, 
you know, and it's a whole uh, industry now, right? The health and wellness industry and supplements and all these things. So you're right. But I do think we have more at our fingertips. And like you said, maybe we're just, you know, look, we're not down at the creek, like, you know, <laughs> our clothes against the stones. You know, we're putting our clothes in a, in a washing machine. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's the less physical stress is helping us. I feel like that was like really hard living, you know, like it's, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, obviously I don't want to say that people aren't living in difficult times. There are many people who are having difficult times, but I mean, generally speaking, you have access to a lot. And, and I think kind of the indicator part partially is that is, you know, a lot of countries that are maybe like where there's a lot of poverty or third world is like, people are really like, you know, malnourished and stuff. Whereas I think the United States, like in lower socioeconomic environments, generally malnourishment doesn't seem to be the issue. There's a lot of obesity in 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 our country. So it's it's strange to me, but also at the same time, you have kind of this advancement of like these strange older people who look very young. Like it's happening more and more. I see it in my circles all the time. And I, I look at myself, I'm like, I don't look like a 41 year old that used to be 41 when I was growing up, you know, like, right. It's so strange. It just freaks me out in a weird way. I'm like, this is weird, man. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But, but good, you know, it's weird, but good. In a very good way. Yeah. It's just like, well, if this is possible, what is possible then? Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on something you said, if I could, um, about, uh, people who are, um, you know, more, who who have less income and being overweight. And we say this, you know, in our field, um, that it's really the first time in history that people on the lower income levels are heavier because calories are cheap, right? So it used to be through history, if you didn't, if you didn't have enough money, you were thin, and starving or whatever, yeah. right? Because you couldn't nourish your body or feed your family, right? That's your image, isn't it? it you is. know, yeah. people who who didn't have money, they they, they were thin. And uh, you know what I mean by thin? I don't mean like fashionably thin. I'm saying they couldn't feed their families. There wasn't yeah. enough food. And now um, it's the reverse uh, in a way. And so it's really more important for people to understand that, you know, what they put in their mouths has a big effect on their size, their weight, and their health. Have you ever started something that you had no knowledge of how to do it? That you just went into it without any real experience? Sometimes you just have to go for it even if you're not sure how it's going to turn out. In our society today, knowledge is everywhere. Wisdom is not. Trust your wisdom. Trust how you feel about something. And try it out. You will never know if something was meant for you to do if you never took the steps and the actions to do it, even if you have no background in it. It just may be something you'd enjoy. I love how Amy Goober started out a bakery. She had no clue about it. So fascinating. 
I think you're going to enjoy the rest of this conversation as we transition more into health and how health is such an interesting word and how we see ourselves and age in our society. Go into something new. Try it out. Who knows what will happen. Where do you see uh, the health industry going? What's the future of health in your mind? Well, that's a great question too. Um, I, you know, if only we had uh, the man that created our program sitting right here with me, but he's an amazing, amazing man. And he feels very strongly that the only way for a healthy future is for people to figure out what they want, right? And why they want it and be intrinsically motivated to do it. So first it's maybe to get to a healthy weight, right? So we're not talking about bikini bodies, right? But, you know, to be at a healthy operating weight, you know, so you can move about, but also, to, but also, oops, sorry. It's okay. I just fell. But also to, um, to be able to learn the habits to, maintain a healthy lifestyle and life. So the future of health, I think, has to be for people to um, learn the habits of health, you know, which is sort of a cornerstone of what we teach. Uh, but also they have to do things on purpose because we, lived, we live in a world of food, right? We just said, and nobody has to move to do anything. Right. I mean, I remember as a kid getting up because we had to change the television channel. You know, I that's remember that too. <laughs> Um, so people aren't moving to do anything. People are texting their kids in their bedrooms upstairs. Come on down for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, Instead of like yelling at upstairs, like, come on down. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that the future of health has to be a lot more on purpose because we have so many, um, as we said before, we have much easier life and now everything's virtual. You really don't have to leave your house. You can have your groceries delivered. You can watch all your movies. You can take your courses, right? I mean, you can shop. You can you can do anything online. So people need to be a little more on purpose of how they want to live their life. So I guess I see the future of health going not so well. Um, you, know, the, <laughs> you know, the statistics of yeah of the the percentage of people in the United States that are either overweight or obese right now, the statistic we have is 69% and it's getting worse. Yes. So, well, this is, so this is interesting. So the weird kind of conundrum with the whole thing is that we have more information than ever. I feel like health and wellness is starting to become more mainstream Mm -hmm. to the general population and I've said this to several of my guests who, you know, in the field and whatever. So, so why is it that the numbers, the, the needle is not moving in the right direction? Because it's continuing to move in the wrong direction, but right. we know more. It doesn't seem like we're making all these conveniences to make our lives easier. It doesn't seem like we're going to wake up one day and be like, you know what? We need to start back with like not having remote controls anymore for TV. It'll feel like that humans don't usually like go backwards and say, hey, let's go back to the old days of how things were, you know? So we keep this forward technological movement. So I hear what you're saying, like, this is what has to be done, but what actually will be done is I think the very difficult aspect of it. Right. And so many of the things that you say resonate with 
like the philosophy that I have and that our program has, and it's what you just said before, we're a smarter America. We've never had access to so much information, but we're a larger America. You know? We, we are. We are. We're a larger we America. Um, so I don't know how it's gonna how it's going to change, but it certainly has to change with the children and how the children are raised and how the children are eating and, and all of that. Because the uh, obesity rate for children and teenagers is on the rise because they're not moving. And because I also, I can't blame it just on the moving and exercise. It really has to do with uh, the, I believe the food source and, you know, how the food is made and, and that a lot of the ingredients in the food are almost um, addicting, (laughs) Uh, you know, and you want more of it and more of it and more of it. So um, it starts with the children, don't you think? I think it starts with the children, and the, but which then means it starts with parents. Right. And I've, gosh, I've had this discussion with my wife and different colleagues so many times. How do you, how do you disrupt a system that is so cyclical and telling parents what to do? You know, what if you come from a family where your parents are, you know, overweight, obese, and they just continue the cycle or they overfeed their children? They don't exhibit uh, good habits. And then the children see that, and then they just continue to do that. Their kids end up becoming the same way. And sometimes I feel like it's a very touchy subject because then it becomes like, well, you're trying to tell me what to do and how to raise my kids and things of that nature. Um, so it feels very sticky, but I'm a huge proponent of parents are the beginning of life with children and what you do with those kids plays a huge impact in how they become as they go older and how they see health and wellness, you know? Very true. And right. So it's not, we're not blaming the children, but it starts with how their lives are, which is, as you said, controlled by the parents. Um, and that's the next generation, et cetera. But as you said, if we, we don't want to be so down here, um, you know, that the health and wellness field is growing. It's just that there's so much information out there. I do a talk, um, (laughs) that I created called healthy habits for busy people and the, Mm -hmm. you know, that I do for companies and such, but that the gist of it is I start out by saying, you know, small steps over time can lead to big change. And then I feel like what you said before, there's so much information out there that people are almost um, immobilized by it, right? The the confused mind does nothing. And so I sort of want to break through that and say to people, okay, you know what? There's a hundred different options here for how to eat healthy and supplements and weight loss and all these things, right? Um, But just start doing something, you know? start putting your grocery cart back in the place where it belongs to take the stairs tomorrow instead of the elevator. You know, when you're given two choices, pick the healthier one, you know, one time out of three, do it that way, you know, so those sorts of things. So trying to be, I really want people to feel optimistic about the power that they have to improve their own situations. So I don't want to get too negative where people are like, well, then just forget it. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want to paint a dystopic future for people about it? <laughs> I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I want people to know that they are more in control than they think they are. Um, and you will probably um, maybe get a chuckle out of this, but I was on a phone, the phone with a client. This is, I'm going back a ways, um, a few months or something. And I just remember this whole conversation about, but I'm out with my friends and, or, you know, I'm at this event or that event. And, you know, it's so difficult. And I said, 
to her, um, <laughs> I said, I think you should have a talk with your elbow because it's all what <laughs> <laughs> your elbow. Your elbow. Yeah. If you don't move your elbow and, you know, if you don't pick up that food and put it in your mouth, you're not going to, ha- you don't have it. So I just, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think people have lost the belief that they can create their own path and improve their own selves. And I want people to feel empowered to do that. Well, I think that um, these are certainly all good things. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't want to go down a negative road because I'm a very positive person, but I think there's also some very strange things happening. And I think that we're in a time where we have a lot of knowledge, so-called knowledge, and I mean, whether it's reputable or not from where people get it, but we've kind of lost our wisdom, our common sense about things as well. So um, I think it's, we have to be very careful about the things we tell people, especially people in service providers or professionals and certainly the health and wellness industry, industry of like, hey, where do you have your resources? How is this resource? Is it based off of good science? I mean, there's a lot of science out there, but it doesn't mean it's good science. Mm-hmm. And are you a good representation? Uh, like for me, and I see, I'm kind of in the industry where I'm like, I'm the 20, 10 to 20%. I'm always around people who are very fit and athletic. And, and that, so the, even in that population, there are a lot of problems, specifically with uh, orthorexia and, and an obsession with overexercising. And, and so it's weird to have these very large swings in people who are overdoing it and then people who are uh, sedentary on the other coin. And in many ways, both of those are the same thing. They're both highly unhealthy uh, for you. So I just wonder how do we get the message out in a larger way? I think about how people have technological innovations. Think of like a Tesla or something where that disrupts not only the car industry, but is also disrupting the um, space travel industry. And these this large kind of entry into this segment of how we live that is literally changing how people view electric cars and space travel, that needs to happen with health and fitness and wellness somehow, because there's just a lot of noise out there, mm. but there needs to be something that, that everybody feels a, a pull towards. And right now, the numbers don't suggest that that's happening, but we, in a positive note, we can be very influential that I see in a very individual level with people at this point and work one by one, trying to spread a positive message and helping. But it's such a multifactorial issue with people's health because it's so personal to them. You know? Right. Absolutely. And as you said, and, and what works for some doesn't work for others. You know, we feel very strongly about communities. So we plug our people, uh, you know, in together. We put our clients into a bunch of different, um, you know, online communities and support them that way, because I do think that's helpful, you know, to be inspired and motivated by those that are on the right track. And um, even when, you know, people stumble, we see, you know, on our like private Facebook page, even when somebody struggles, we see then the other clients, we as coaches don't even usually have to jump in. We see the other clients, you know, performing like coaches and saying, well, try it this way next time. And you could have done it that way and tell us how it goes the next, you know, so people really want to help each other, especially when they feel like they're on the right path. And that's what I've seen. You, you know, know? What, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think this may sound a little controversial. That's okay. My podcast's about saying stuff and not worrying about it, but 
it's not the same, but you think about kind of an emotional contagion. Whereas if there's, a, like say, a public health issue going on, and while there is a real issue, sometimes the larger issue is the emotional contagion that happens when something happens. So if people go, oh, I'm scared of, take for instance, the coronavirus that's sweeping you know, the world and stuff. And of course, it's a very legitimate thing and very serious, but there's also emotional contagion going on where that people uh, don't act reasonably. And then that's, that panic spreads to other people. And that seems to be a very effective means of creating a mass contagion. Strange enough as it is, you know, and I wonder myself, what if we created an emotional contagion for health and wellness through a variety of, you know, platforms we have? So instead of having, you know, likes and things of that nature on these different platforms, what if it was about, you know, you get something for doing something nice for somebody, you know? Um, that these different indicators that you took time to be mindful today. So you get to get something for that. You know, we need to spread a mass emotional contagion for being well. Right. And, and I feel like, because as human beings, psychologically, we are very much in, in a kind of sheep in a sense that we follow each other. We, we get in a group and becomes this crowd psychology even if there's been lots of research, you see, like if you stand out on the street and you put your finger in the air and you look up at something in the sky, a bunch of people will stop and start looking at the sky, even though they have no clue what is happening for them. Right. And right. so we have a lot of power to create kind of an emotional contagion for health and wellness. We just haven't harnessed it yet, but it seems very easy to harness that in the face of a uh, public crisis or things of that nature. Right. And um, which is a very good point. And I think that bad news travels fast. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so my gosh. So fast. So fast. Um, it would be nice if your image um, of, of what could be would be, because I think um, I, I think that's something that everybody needs. Right. We all need that. We need the positivity of, uh, you know, working toward health and what that can bring you. And, you know, there's just so many medications now. There's a pill for everything. And for some people, they need it. I mean, I've been on thyroid medication for 27 years. I need it. I would not be functioning if I didn't have that. So I, it's not that I don't believe in that. But again, I think that um, there's so much less focus on people trying to change things by their behavior or lifestyle. And I think if they did that, we wouldn't maybe need as much medication in some in some situations. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, it's, and you have a segment of people who will say, you know, these are synthetic, you know, how could you ever take that? The reactions that they have in your body versus maybe your nor natural plant medicine. I think I'm on both sides of the equation. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, you got, you got to pick a side. I don't think life's like that. It's not always, it's not black and white as much as we want to have this team culture of like, pick this side, this political affiliation or this stance. I think is there are people who definitely need traditional Western medicine practices or they wouldn't be alive if they didn't have it. And then there are many great plant medicine resources and things of that nature uh, for that. So we're, we're fighting this battle in many ways of like so much, so many options. Like when I go to a restaurant, I don't want to go and see a menu that has like 15 pages. 
this is too much for me. Like, you know, let's simplify it type of thing. We just have so much, so many options, I think at this point. Right. And again, it's that whole thing of the confused mind does nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Pretty much, you know, so it's, it's just a very interesting time to be alive. I think, you know, as we're talking about this and I'm thinking about how we're going to move on from here, how we continue to do it. I think about, I don't know if you've seen those like commercials by Fabletics at all. Have you seen them? No. What, what is it? It's like a, uh, like women's clothing, like workout clothes, apparel thing, kind of like Lululemon type of deal. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is they put not only very, what you would think are very fit women in the commercial, they also put larger women in the clothes. And I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was good. And, and, a, and a step in the right direction of saying like, hey, why are we just putting all these thin, like what we perceive to be very fit, healthy looking people in this clothing to market to basically other people who are into that? And versus saying like, hey, you don't have to look this way to be healthy. And in fact, I had a lady on not too long ago, her podcast is going to come out and she, I, I applauded her for this. She had real issues with um, like over-exercising and whole deal. And, and she was teaching a group X class. Her name's Kara Foley. And the, a couple of the people in the class came up to her and said, how do you look like that? You look amazing. She goes, actually, I'm not amazing. I'm not amazing. I'm very unhealthy right now. And I'm trying to change this. And that was shocking that she admitted that to people in her class, you know? Right. I mean, it's that whole, you know, Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the Disney, the princesses that if you really looked at, you know, the cartoon figures, their waist couldn't possibly house the organs that are necessary. <laughs> exactly. In your torso. Um, but anyway, um, so I do think that's the case. But I also, I like that they are using regular size women, you know, because don't we want to encourage people to be exercising and working out if they need to? And are we only marketing to people who are already fit and trim? Yes. So I like that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's what I liked. I said, you know, what is, that's why I think this is a good conversation because it's like, well, what is healthy? You know, is it, is it somebody like, like I look like a stereotypical, very fit person. Um, now, do you know if I'm healthy or not? I don't know. Maybe I look like that, but you know, how do I eat? How do I sleep? How do I manage stress in my life? How do I love other people? What's my community? I think there's a lot into that gumbo pot of me and a lot of other people. And sometimes I think you look at somebody that may look like me and think, oh yeah, look how fit. Like people always ask me, oh, you must work out every day. I'm like, definitely not. That goes against <laughs> good science. And yeah. chronic adaptations and make and, and actually improving. I'm like, I'm like, you work out probably way more than I do. And guess what? You probably don't because you don't understand the science. Don't need to because you don't understand the science behind actual adaptation. But people look at something and they say, oh, that's what I want to be like. When you know nothing about that person. Right. I mean, it, it is. It, that was it, a big it, sigh. Well. <laughs> Because it becomes a complicated subject, right? You know, yes. there's so much to uh, all of this. And, um, you know, I, I, I go to a gym, I go to a big gym, and um, I will be the first one to say I don't like 
exercising. I used to run when I was younger, but I can't do that anymore because of my knees. So, you know what I mean? Like I never liked it. I liked how I felt after, you know, I liked the results, but I never really enjoyed it. You know, so people say to me like, what, what classes do you like? And I'll say, I don't like any of it. I'll tell you what I, <laughs> I tell you what I, what I hate the least, you know? And so I'm very honest about it, but to me, it's, it's a have to, but look at all the things we do in our lives. Right. I mean, there's a lot of have tos and then there are some want tos and I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. there are some have tos. And what I try to encourage people to do is make the eating well, eating healthy and the movement, let's call it movement if we don't want to be at a gym, right? And the exercise or the movement, make, how can you make that into a want to, you know, how can you? So we have a couple of us, my friends, and we walk, you know, once or twice a week and we love that. Like we would pick that over anything, you know, because we're talking to each other and we're, you know, we love each other and, you know, we're a community. And so, you know what I'm saying? So like, is is that as good as, you know, I don't know, a, a strenuous class at the gym? I don't know, but it's good. It's good enough. <laughs> so I think if people try to spin the health and wellness to some want to's, I think that could be helpful. It's okay if some of it's have to's, it's okay. But you know what I mean? It can even be like experimenting with recipes, healthier recipes, right? I mean, or getting a few friends together and you know, cooking together or, you know, making it more, uh, a more positive experience. I think yeah. people do those things more, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I had a guy on George, uh, Stoymanov who, uh, his, his episode would be coming out, <clears throat> um, Thursday and, you know, he had a very complicated relationship with fitness throughout the years. He grew up in Bulgaria and, um, and his whole thing was being strong, you know, starting out being strong and like you know, basically in a gym obsession. Mm -hmm. And over his lifetime, he's learned that, you know, he has had to really uh, come to peace with the person inside of him versus trying to make the person, the outside version of himself look really great. And so it's interesting, like I see like his version of fitness and has become like kind of this seasonal version or, or lifetimes within lifetimes of fitness. And I think sometimes people look at it as like, gosh, I got to do this thing over and over again. It's going to be boring. It's not going to be fun. Um, this is the rest of my life. Whereas, you know, that, that can alter and change over the course of your life. Maybe some seasons you're just into swimming quite a bit, or you're into playing pickup basketball, or you're in heavy weightlifting phase in a season, or you know, you want to get into 5Ks and like to one, know the expectations of then the signs behind it is, well, maybe this season I'm not going to get a lot of results because I'm not in really interested in putting a lot of uh, stimulus to provide uh, chronic adaptation. And maybe I've just, it's okay. I don't want to do that right now. And maybe some season you want to really see how many of the variables of fitness you can alter in yourself and become more uncomfortable. So I think it's more of a, as you age, and I think about it this way, like, are you the same when you were 20 as you were at 60? Like, didn't you have different things you did in your life, different mindsets? You were kind of almost a very different person at 20, 40, 60, whatever it is, you know, you're changing throughout the course of your life. It makes sense that how you move and how you, um, are active is going to change as well. And that's okay. You know? Right. I mean, I'm just afraid of getting hurt now. 
I'm the same way, actually. You know that? I do like everything to not get hurt. (laughs) I don't want to go down, man. I just like, I'm so afraid of, you know, and every time I feel a tweak, like right now I have a pinched nerve in my neck and I'm like, why did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) You're like this 60 thing, man. Come on. I know, it falling apart. But yeah, so I agree with you. You, Your attitude is different, but um, I really believe what, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, what do they say? Youth is wasted on the young. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to appreciate how great it is at 20 when you're 20. Right. Or how, how you great you appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> right. You only know what you know when you know it. So it's, you know, it's funny that we're looking back on it is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, you want to say, oh, I wish I would have really like, uh, really wouldn't have taken that for granted. Like how, how would you have done that at that time? Like you don't, unless somebody was like banging that drum to you constantly, even so you still might've been like, whatever, man, <laughs> you know, like well, I'm young. <laughs> Right. I mean, I see it even in my older kids, like the one that's out of college that's working tells the one that's in college, oh, you don't know how lucky you have it. You're still in college. And the one that's in college is like, are you kidding? You don't have tests. You know, <laughs> they, yeah. they don't get it that, you know, when they're in school, they want to be out. When they're out, they wish they were back in. My older one is now in grad school. <laughs> want to go back in. Like, it's just, it's funny, right? It is. It's it's amazing our human lifespan and how we see things. And um, I'm happy we got a chance to see how each other, how we think in this conversation. I really enjoyed it, Amy. I I knew I was, but uh, you know I don't plan anything, so I just go with it, and we see where we lead, and it always goes into wherever it's going to be, and it's been enjoyable for me. Yeah, I love it. I think like so many of the things you said, I'm nodding my head. You can't see me, but um, because I think <laughs> a lot of our philosophy is in sync on the on some of those topics. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate um, you giving me your time to be on the, uh, be on here with me. And uh, you seem like an amazing person, Amy. You really do. I'm I'm sure everybody in your life really loves being around you, and I'm glad I got at least a good fifty plus minutes of that. Well, thank you. And I could say the same to you. And um, mm-hmm. I love what you're doing with this podcast. And I so appreciate you inviting me on. Hey, no problem. And uh, we will definitely be in touch. And I look forward to your episode coming out. All right, great. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Meet Harper, teammate at Truist. Hello. She was born to care and always had your back. Like the time her friend's bumper car took a gnarly hit. Oh, no. His retainer went flying, but Harper caught it before it got crushed. Today, Harper's a teammate at Truist, the bank with Truist One checking. With no overdraft fees, a $100 negative balance buffer, and automatic upgrades, Truist One checking has your back too. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. $100 negative balance buffer. Eligibility requirements apply. Truist Bank member FDIC. From earaches to strep tests, visit Miniclinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's how healthier happens together. Services vary by location. Prescriptions can be obtained at Pharmacy of Choice. Visit MinuteClinic.com for details.